Welcome to the Cross the Line Podcast. My name is Carlos Smith, and today's episode is sponsored by Chavis Car Care on 321 North Main Street in Jonesville, South Carolina. They offer hand car wash, vacuum, and clean interior. Full detail is also available. While you wait on your vehicle, customer seating is available as well as a dining area, and they're open from Tuesday to Saturday from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., so make sure you stop by. Today's episode is also sponsored by Big Ben's Desserts. If you need to satisfy your sweet tooth, this is the place for you. They have a wide variety of desserts, including cakes, ice cream, banana pudding, and my personal favorite, the Oreo cheesecake. They open Tuesday to Saturday from 12 p.m. to 8 p.m. and Sunday from 12 p.m. to 7 p.m. Closed on Mondays. So stop by and visit Big Ben's Desserts on 297 Spartanburg Highway in Lyman, South Carolina, where nothing could be sweeter. Today, we're once again on the road all the way across the country in L.A. This is my second time actually out here, um, being out here in California. I flew in last night, so I'm still trying to get used to the uh, time adjustment. But I have a very special guest with me today, um, one of the most outspoken people, which is why I love her, uh, former WNBA player, a journalist, producer, actress, mother, everything that you can. Hopefully, hopefully I didn't shortchange <laughs> you on that. You added a little something extra, but we're going to leave Okay, it. okay. All right, but but I, I appreciate you for taking the time. So people watching this, I have the very, my very special guest here on the Cross Line Podcast, Self Investment Tour, Miss Miko Grind. How are you? Good. Thank man, you for having me. Man, thank you. you I, uh, reaching out man, I, I appreciate you. Like I said, tell you right before we started, like I always saw you. Uh, I always admired you for being so outspoken, just speaking your mind. So feel free to do the same today. I will. All right. <laughs> yeah. So I um. You know, I, like I said, you know, I love one of my favorite podcasts is uh, Brilliant Idiots with Charlamagne and Andrew Schultz. Yeah, so I, I've been on there a lot. Yeah, so I've seen you on there. I've seen you on The Breakfast Club. And, you know, I, I've been on my own personal journey for about four years now. Um, like I said, I had a background in, in journalism, broadcasting in college. So I kind of stepped out on faith and kind of created my own opportunity, which is what I'm doing now. So I was like, man, you know what? If I'm coming all the way out here, let me just reach out and just take a chance and see if I can, can get you on. So I'm thankful, thankfully you were able to have the time to, to sit yeah. down with me. Lucky you, I spend my summers in L.A. In L.A., perfect, <laughs> perfect timing. So just kind of starting out, how, how are you actually doing? Oh, I'm good. I'm glad that, you know, we're out, back outside. You know, it's been a rough year. It's been yeah. for us. And I'm just glad that people are getting back to normal. We're sharing ger- each other's germs again. You know, right. we're trusting each other. And uh, hopefully everything just yeah. keeps getting better. Yeah, California, it's a little bit different. I came out here for the first time last year, and uh, we flew to, uh, we went to Oakland, California. That was my first time ever coming to the West Coast. And uh, it's a little bit different from South Carolina. People were just tired of wearing masks. Like, out there, people just didn't wear masks regardless. But when we came out here, people were like, Cracking down, like we try to walk. Still here, yeah, so, so like, we oh. try to walk in the stores. Me and my homeboy Calvin, and uh, they was like, "Man, you don't have a mask." I'm like, nah, you can't even come in. They yeah. turned us back around. So I was like, "Man, they still strict out here." Yes, yeah, a blue state. So yeah, they you know, blue states are good for weed, bad yeah. for yeah. vaccine and COVID and all that stuff. Yeah, and there's a lot of places, you know, they were like that vaccine man. They was like, "You don't have a vaccine, you can't go in here, go to this place." I'm like, right. "Well." And I'm not knocking anybody who, you know, got the vaccine. That's, but I was like, well, I guess I'm going to have to, you know, sit just, just think about that. This time last year, we, you wouldn't have been able to book this studio because I'm not vaccinated either. We wouldn't even been able to be in this space yeah. during this, this time last year. It's crazy. And it, it was, what I didn't like about the whole thing was it kind of like, 
put pe pit people against each other, like, mm -hmm. oh, you vaccinated or not vaccinated. So some people won't even come around you yeah. if you haven't even been vaccinated. And that's why I didn't like. And I remember it was one lady that I worked with. She told me that her uh, her son wouldn't let her see her grandchild if she didn't get vaccinated. So she went ahead and. Well, that goes both ways. There's a lot of unvaxxed community that do not associate with the vaxxed because right. you know there's theories about things. Yeah, so. yeah, it's true. So it's it's, it's a lot. Of, it's a lot to it. But now it's just like I mean, it's the pandemic. I guess you say it's still it's still going on. It may be over with, but of, of course, like now it's like you don't even hear the media really. Talking about. Well, our president yesterday just said that there's going to be another pandemic coming soon. So it seemed like it already. So it's like, how do they even know? Like, see what I mean? Exactly. It's yeah. Sad. But we, we we got a lot to talk about. <laughs> so I'm, I'm right there with you on that. So I know um, we talked about. Uh, you say you're doing well. I know. I saw online that you celebrated your birthday. Happy belated birthday. Thank Did you. Did you have a good time for your birthday? Yes, I got very drunk. <laughs> I don't remember a lot of it, so that means it was good. So you were out here, like on the West Coast, yes. for your birthday. Uh-huh. Where, um, so I know you say you're not from here. You just out here no, for I'm the from summer. Here originally. Oh, so you're originally from here, I'm but you. From Inglewood, oh, okay. Los Angeles, California. Yeah, I was born in St. Louis. Mm, but okay. I left when I was four and a half, so people are just like, "You're not from St. Louis. You're right. from LA." You know, so right. I always blame the West Coast and St. Louis though, because that's mm. just. You know, family, that's where my, my, my roots are, you know. So mm -hmm. I'm raised here in Los Angeles for the majority of my life. So I claim my life. So, what was kind of like your childhood like growing up, like out here? Uh, <laughs> well, I was a tomboy my whole life since I was probably five years old. I've always played sports. Um, and that's all I really cared about. Mm -hmm. I didn't really um, care to do much else as a child. I was just always outside playing soccer, basketball running track, volleyball. You know, the only sport I didn't play, honestly, was tennis, but I played everything else. And I just, you know, just a kid growing up in the hood, lower lower class, not mm -hmm. not very much, you know, just trying to make it. And um, just knew I wanted to be a professional athlete. And so that was my focus the entire, my entire childhood was making sure that I wasn't poor the rest of my life. And one of the ways that I felt like I could do that is through sports. Mm -hmm. Did you have any any kind of mentors growing up that kind of steered you on the? I know you said you want to play pro sports. Yeah. Did you have any mentors that kind of helped guide you on your path? Yeah, I have an uncle. He's not my blood uncle, but he couldn't be any closer to me. He's really like my father. Um, his name is Haven Moses. Um, he just kind of, you know, put the battery in my back and told me that I could do it. You know, I hadn't heard that from anybody before mm -hmm. as a young girl. He just really helped me in everything I needed. You know, those little things you don't think about, like shoes. You know, you get a hole in your shoe and you pour, you got to play with that hole in the shoe, you know? Right. And he just would step in and do so many little things. And then I ended up moving in with him and his family. And they raised me, you know, through my teens and, you know, adult life and helped me get a scholarship to play basketball and run track. And he said, never left my side. He's never left me. He's always there. And he just... I, I, I tell him this all the time that he saved my life because I don't know what my life would have been like if he hadn't let me move in with him and mm. helped me fulfill my dreams. Did you have any siblings, like a brother or sister? I have, 
I have three sisters and one brother. I'm the middle of five. Okay. So yeah. So I'm so I'm like the middle child as well. Oh God, yeah. And so you know they say that the, the middle child is the one sometimes feels forgotten or oh, you know, yeah, definitely. do their own and thing. And being the only athlete, the only like tomboy, like you know, it was just very tough for me. Right. For you know my family to like relate to me or get me because. Everybody can understand why such a pretty girl wants to smell like this, be <laughs> dirty, you know, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. So. I'm kind of the same way as far as like, you know, kind of doing my own thing. You know, my parents, um, I think for both of my parents, I had both of my parents and it was just like, you know, you, they always want the best for you. So I was kind of the one that always kind of like went against the grain. Like I didn't like always doing stuff that everybody else was doing, and, you know, kind of like doing like the traditional nine to five, which is nothing wrong with that. I kind of like tried to pivot, you know, I mean, I still have my nine to five, but also, you know, this is what I want to invest in. So I kind of did like a little pivot and did this as well. But it's like, I'm all, I was always the one that's like, man, I don't like thinking like everybody else and just doing what everybody else doing. So I'm like, you know what, let me kind of shift and kind of like do my own thing. So I kind of feel like as a middle child, that's what we have in us, you know, kind of like do yeah. our own thing. We're left behind a lot. And so that creates either, you know, good thing or bad thing, right. you know, if you're very passionate about stuff you, and you're kind of left behind, you kind of have to push yourself sometimes, That's you bad. know, and, and it just builds you that way. So it could be a, a good thing. Awesome. So so I know you know you said you played college ball. Where, where did you actually play at? Cal State LA right here in Los Angeles. Okay, okay. Mm -hmm. And so you uh, you played basketball there? I played basketball and I ran track. Okay. And then I, you said that you... Uh, you played pro ball. Did you play? Where did you? I played overseas. Overseas. Okay. Yes. So that's where. Okay. I yes. got you. I went to a vet camp with the Sparks, um, Phoenix Mercury, but I never stayed on any of those teams. It was, think about when I'm coming in, this is like 2000. This is like early. Early WNBA. And um, I just wasn't really getting the run that I felt like I deserved because I went to a Division two school and I didn't have a big name. And, you know, I just, I guess at the time, just, you know, some, there was a different look to the WNBA at that time. Let me just leave it right there. Right. And so my agent was just like, let's go overseas. There's more money over there. And you're like, let's go. And I was scared, of course. I'd never been out of the country, but I knew that I had goals, and I knew that if I really wanted to be a pro, then I didn't want to stay and try to sit on the bench or work it out in the WNBA, that I, I needed to go overseas. And it was like one of the best decisions I made, you know, coming up is – Trusting myself, betting on myself, and, and seeing the world, and you know, playing against women in other countries—it was—it was a great experience. So, so all your life, did you know kind of like that's what you want to do—just play pro ball, and that was it, or did you have any kind of other aspirations outside of basketball? Yeah, originally, like I said, there was no WNBA at first, um, but I knew I wanted to be pro. But I was like, well, if I can't be pro, then maybe I can be. Um, uh, I wanted to be a trainer, like train people, but I also then wanted to be a writer. So those things were always in the back of my mind as like a plan B or plan C if I didn't make it pro, you mm -hmm. know. So, but then when I did, I ended up doing both of them afterwards, you know. So mm -hmm. I had I got a degree in exercise science, kinesiology, nutritional science, and then I went back to school for broadcasting. Okay. How so, long did you? Uh, sorry to cut you off. It's okay. How long did you play pro? Pro ball six, six and a half years. Six and a half years. So you still had a good run. Yeah, yeah. I could have went longer. It's just my grandmother passed away and then mm. my mother got sick and I was always out of the country and it kinda like weighed heavy on me about yeah. like, dang, like you're really out here living your best life, but your family's sick and people are dying and you're missing like moments. You know, that kinda made me like retire early. All right. So uh like 
overseas? Like, how long did you stay over there? And how, how often did you get to come back home, you know, to well, see Well, I had a boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> so the men's season is a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. So when my season would be over, I'd have the option of just leaving, coming back home, or, like, staying with him. And I did that quite often. I hung with him. So I wasn't really home maybe, like, three months out of the year for mm. the most part. You still hoop now, or is that something you kind of like laid the rest? Because I see you still work out, you know, at home or whatever. So I was wondering, do you still play? This is so funny. So I haven't played basketball since the pandemic. I played a men's league in Florida. Um, I'm the only girl in the league, and I've never stopped playing basketball. But um, so when the pandemic happened, nobody could get their nails done, all this stuff, and I ended up growing my nails out. And then I've had long nails for two years now. Mm-hmm. Two whole years, the past years, I have not played a single, nothing of basketball. And so uh, we got here uh, two weeks ago, and I took my son to the Drew League. He goes to Drew League every summer, but something was different about this summer. And he said, Mom, I think I want to play basketball. And he's going to middle school next year. And so um, he's never been on a basketball team before. Nothing Like, he's not a basketball player. He's a tennis player. Okay. And so when he said that, look what happened today. Got the nails. (laughs) So you ready to show him? Off. Yes, so tomorrow we're going to the gym. Like I'm gonna start training him. He wants to make the middle school team, so he's gotta go and it just I kinda needed something to, you know, kick me back into the sport. I've been playing tennis like It's like that love for the game yeah. still don't it's still there. It's still there. But I just haven't played. I've been enjoying like long my nails were like this long. Mm-hmm. Just enjoying being a, a girl. <laughs> yeah, so 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 outside of basketball, when did you uh start, you know, looking at other business ventures? Were you looking at it right while you were still playing or when did you start branching out after was it or was it after? No, know? because my retirement wasn't planned. So I was like, dang, um I just I just made a decision out of nowhere to retire and I was like, shit, what am I gonna do? You know? Right. But I I knew that I didn't want to do the uh training anymore. I so much had changed since I graduated that, you know, I would have to go, maybe go back to school and get refresher courses and all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. I was like, I'll see all these retired, you know, men playing, going straight into broadcasting, which is something I wanted to do. But I really wanted to be on the writing side, but that writing is gone once social media happened. You yeah. know, nobody's reading the paper like that, you know? So I was like, oh, I'll just go into broadcasting, you know, sports reporting. I, that's easy. I can talk sports and I, I'm confident in front of the camera and behind the camera. So right. I just decided to go back to school for that and jump into that industry. Yeah, that's, that's kind of like how I was. Like, I didn't actually get my, my internship uh, until my senior year in college. Because honestly, like, when I went to college, it was just something that, you know, I thought that you were just supposed to do. Like, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So my first few years in college, I'm just, you know, living it up, partying, having a good time. And then senior year comes around, I'm like, oh, it's time to get real. Like, it, it's life. About, life about to happen. So um, when I was at work, it was a guy that came in, Coach Cox. And he, uh, he, I just saw all these different decals on the back of his car, uh, the Panthers and Hornets. And I just reached out to him. And um, I asked him about uh, any internship opportunities. So he was the first guy that gave me a chance to, you know, uh, get into sports broadcasting. And uh, from there, I covered high school football. Then we went and covered the Hornets, covered the Panthers. I did NASCAR, uh, softball. But it was so dope, you know, you know, growing up watching these guys on TV. And now I'm actually in the locker room with these guys that I saw on TV. So I'm like, oh, shoot, this is crazy. So once, once he exposed me to journalism plus, you know, the lack of minorities in it as well was something that um, made me want to get into it even more because it's like a lot of times, and I'll let you speak on it, like having that voice for the voices, like we don't get to share our voices and they 
paint a different stereotype of us. And I'll let you talk about that. Yeah, even the guys that do look like us, when they get to a position, you know, where um, we need them when, when certain things are happening, like they're just not there. You know, a lot of times people will um, follow protocol or do whatever, you know, is necessary to keep their job as opposed to doing, you know, a good service to our people. You know, that I, I, when I started on my podcast, it was really because I didn't feel like I could say everything that I wanted to say mm-hmm. on CBS's airway. That's a fact. You can't to yeah. deal with consequences, you know? So that's when I started my own podcast, and I was like, I'm going to be able to say anything I want. And so what I've tried to focus my, my um, I tried to focus on was being pro-athlete. So mm-hmm. even though, you know, athletes are human beings, they're going to make mistakes. So whenever they are in the news or in the limelight for something they did bad, you know, I try to uplift them. I try to educate them because I knew a lot of players would listen to my podcast. So I would try to tell them how to, you know, correct those mistakes and how not to do those things. But also I talked about things that were untrue about a lot of these athletes because once it's printed, once it's out there, people just assume it's true just because some journalist said it. And there's no consequences for people lying or my sources said, and they don't even really have to have a source. You know, they can just say anything. So I would challenge other journalists you know, I was rude about it, you know, a little disrespectful sometimes, but, you know, that's what you have to be when you're a woman in this industry, I feel like, because if you don't, they'll just, like, assume that, you know, somebody's writing everything down for you and someone's telling you what to say. You couldn't possibly know sports that well or how to cover right. things that well. So I just always make sure that my voice is authentic and always pro-athlete and pro-black. Right, because sure. I, I feel like a lot of times the media, they – they, they paint a picture of us, it's like, well, I, I remember, um, I hated when ESPN did this, was like, like around the draft time, NFL draft, like you'll see a black athlete get drafted and the first thing they'll say, this kid came from a broken home or a single parent, all this different stuff, and then a, a white athlete, they would say something like, graduated with a 4.0 GPA, engineering degree, it's like, it's already putting this picture of us out, like we just come yeah. from these rough backgrounds all the time, and I'm like, man, it's not always that way. Mm-hmm. And it's just like a lot of times they just give us this negative stereotype for yeah. black athletes all the time. It reminds me of the first time I watched Tyreek Hill play and he ran back a touchdown or something. He did. He scored a touchdown. It was incredible. And the journalist said, yeah, you know, he just he was arrested in college for hitting a woman. Yeah, stuff and it's like that. Like, like, you tell Colin Kaepernick to stick to sports. But as soon as Tyreek Hill <clears throat> scores a touchdown, the journalist wants to bring up something from his past that could make him tarnish his reputation. Exactly. You know, it's just, it's so bad how they do us. They just want to make sure we know that, oh, the the society and the fans know that these are flawed human beings right here. We want to let you, remind you every time, as if people in general aren't flawed. Exactly. You know, and I, I really hate how when an athlete does something human, like possibly hit a woman or get a DUI or, you know, say something inappropriate, like, they lose their paycheck. Everything, yeah. You know, but regular human beings or police officers or teachers or dentists or doctors slap their wife, they don't lose their paycheck. Nope. They go to jail. Like, it doesn't happen. So I just don't really like how athletes are just treated in general. You know, it's just, it's unfair. Yeah, it's like almost like they don't even treat them like like that. They, like you said, these are like regular people like that. Yeah, they treat like, them like I, Exactly. And that was like when I was covering the, covering the uh, Hornets, like, we would go into the locker rooms, and, and these guys would just 
to have like regular conversations like everybody else. And mm-hmm. I guess the thing, they feel like because of the money that they're making is like they're so far removed from society, but these are still like regular, regular people. Regular that people. Go to the grocery store, just like y'all, like we have kids that go to school. We, it's just a normal thing, you know? And I get it because there's only, you know, in the NBA, there's only 5,000 NBA players, like ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And there's billions of billions people, of people yeah. you know? So it is, a, it is something to be, you know, awed, and that's why they make the money they make. But you still got to, like, just have some compassion for them just being human beings. They're not going to be perfect. I want to ask you, do you feel like for you it's kind of hard for you to, you know, work in the media in a sense, like under another brand, like a, I'm not saying you will, you want to, like an ESPN or Fox, because you're so outspoken, do you feel like that may be a reason why it's, it's hard for you to go to one of those because you Absolutely. like to speak your mind the way you do? Absolutely. I'm what they call live wire, you mm-hmm. know, and um, you can't have your own opinions that don't line up with the, the company that That's pays fact, you. Yeah. You cannot do that, especially as a journalist. It just isn't going to happen. And you will be put in place. And that's what happened to me, essentially. Like, I just stopped growing. I wasn't able to get certain jobs. I wasn't able to work at certain companies. Nobody, people didn't want to interview me because they were afraid of what their boss would say having me on. You know, ESPN had me on an all-girls podcast, and they attempted to ambush me. They thought they were going to jam me up. I was so shocked when I got the email that ESPN wanted to interview me at a girls' show. And I was like, whoa. But, you know, my antenna was up because I, I already know them. And they really tried to, like, jam me up in the interview, and I just owned all three of them bitches. Like, mm. I was like, what do y'all think? Like, y'all thought y'all was going to jam me up? They really thought they were going to try to embarrass me or try to make me look some kind of way, but I'm authentic. Everything I say, I mean it, and I don't mm-hmm. mind repeating it and backing it up with facts. You know, even if it's opinion, it's going to be opinions based on facts. Exactly. You know, and so they just don't like somebody like me. I can't be controlled, um, I can't be told to do, and then one of the worst things they hate about me is that I got money. You know, they, they, they fire me, I'm not gonna, I'm fine, my bills are gonna still get paid like this, exactly. you know, so they don't like that either. They like to be able to control you in that way, knowing that, oh, I can't get fired, because they know how I'm gonna pay my bills. One of the, I, it just made me think about when you said that, about, you know, being on one of those platforms, you, when you're outspoken, or you speak your mind, and, and it doesn't align with the company, then you get pushed back. And it made me think about, you know, one of my favorite, one of the main reasons I was watching ESPN was for Michael Smith and Jamel Hill. Mm-hmm. And you know, when you know when she started saying the stuff she did about President Trump at the time, mm-hmm. it was like, she got, I think she got suspended at the time. Yeah, she did. And then it was like, after that, you know, eventually, you know, they parted ways. It was like, I was like, dang, man, that's something they need to hear, but it didn't align with them. So it was kind of like, she got so much pushback because of it. I'm like, man, Everybody doesn't feel the same way about the president as y'all do. So you have to think about it. she was the face of ESPN at that time mm-hmm. too. Like that's a big thing for a black woman, mm-hmm. and she put her dick on the table. Yep, I like that. Me I, too. I had her on my podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I I commended her. I told her how proud I was of her, and I, I get it. I, she didn't lose. You know what I'm saying? No, she she gained because they yeah. had to pay her. 
And she still got to say what she wanted to say, and now she's still thriving. She's just somewhere else. Exactly. You Man, know? that was one of my favorite shows, The Hook, with her yeah, and Michael Smith, his and hers. It was the only reason I watched it. Yeah, it was like, yeah. Mm, it was just like, and they, they took that away from us, and now it seems like they're starting to try to incorporate different things now and, and be my more diverse. I know. It'll never be the same. Yeah, it won't never be the same. Be another them because these the people that are on right now will never no. say some of the things that our culture would need. Exactly, to hear. and I love the way they did the skits that catered catered mm -hmm. to our culture and everything and it's like man y'all took that away from us just because you know they spoke they were so outspoken and you know yeah. it's just like they want to you know i guess control their own narrative or, or put their yeah. different things out there um so how long did you actually do radio because you, you did five and, it, and a half years, five and, a half years. Mm -hmm. and was that part of the reason why because you you know speaking your mind that's why, that's why i started you in radio okay. so when i was going to school for broadcasting i got a job with um uh Dennis Scott, 3D After okay. was the name of the show that he and I did. And so I started there, and then I began doing sideline reporting and um, doing some writings, writing pieces and all that kind of stuff. And then I um, did radio in Miami covering the Dolphins. When I was in Atlanta, I was covering the Hawks and the Falcons. And then when I went to Miami, covering the Dolphins. So mm -hmm. that was fun. I enjoyed radio because... It actually showed people, because a lot of people think like when you record things or it's taped to record and all that kind of stuff, even when you write things, that it's not really you. Like somebody else is helping you do it. But when you're live on the radio and you've got to take calls live and answer them live, and yeah, you know, that, that way you get to show like your skills and what you mm -hmm. really know. And, 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 you know, I enjoyed that part of it because it kind of showed people that I was that bitch pretty much. <laughs> Is there anything, what would you say you're you know, more, the most passionate about? Would you say it's the basketball side or, or the football side? Like, as far as what, covering? Yeah, sports coverage, yeah. Football. Football? I'm, way, I'm known way more for covering football. And um, that was because I tried to go into football because I didn't see a lot of us and people like me that, and I also felt like the NFL needed my voice more than the NBA, you know, mm -hmm. because even though the NBA isn't perfect, isn't great for our black kings, the NFL is in the trash can, yeah. you know, and I just felt like there's plenty of people speaking up for NBA players. I want to jump on this NFL side and just, you know, show some support and, and educate them as well. You know, I, I try to do a little bit of everything for the players. Mm -hmm. The thing I like the most about the NBA, um, as far as the coverage, I, I enjoyed, well, I actually covered more NBA games than I did for the um, football. I, I covered the Panthers training camp the year they went to the Super Bowl, mm -hmm. and um, I covered um, – one of their preseason games when they played the Eagles. But the thing I like about the NBA more than the NBA, NFL is that, like, they let the players be the players. Like, mm -hmm. the players have the freedom and kind of control where they want to go. Oh, yeah, they yeah are, that's why I said they don't need me. Exactly. So, but <laughs> yeah. the NFL, so from, from, from your standpoint, for the average fan, talk about some of the things that the average fan doesn't know about the NFL that goes on, like, behind the scenes. Um, one of the things is um, just about how their contracts are played out. Mm -hmm. You know, you see this, uh, uh, you see a contract for four years, $16 million. Right. And I tell people all the time, you only need to focus on the guarantee. That player is never getting the other part of that money unless they're a quarterback. quarterback. That's the only chance. And so when people say like, oh, he signed for $16 million. No, there's only four of that guaranteed. So that's what he's going to get. And then they're going to restructure you or threaten you into you know, uh, a trade or stuff like that. So I try to get the, the fans to know that 
the contracts aren't always what they seem, and every football player is not a millionaire. Mm. You know, like they're just not. There's a select, I want to say eight, maybe nine on the team that are considered millionaires, and everybody else is thousandaires, high thousandaires, but that doesn't mean that they, they're going to be able to live off that money for the rest of their life. Right. So just because you feel like, oh, he's not worth that. Yes, he is. He's actually worth more than that. But this is this is what it is. So I was just trying to tell people to stay out of their contract this day. Stop trying to say what somebody doesn't deserve and how you don't like that your team gave this person that much money. Did it come out of your pocket? Exactly. Like, focus on the fact that you, the fan, is being robbed also. You're paying $16 for a hot dog. You know, Crazy $10 yeah. for a beer. Mm-hmm. You're paying $200 for a jersey that costs $2. You know, if you really want to have something to say to the owners about what they're doing with their money, tell them to stop robbing you, the fan. Because mm-hmm. the owner is robbing the fans and the players. Mm-hmm. You know, and to me, personally, I feel like the fan and the player should be one. They should be an ally. They should be together. But but the, the, the front office always finds a way to get the fan against the player. Right. You know, and so I always try to tell fans, like, Take your like. Stop being this poor, broke. Uh, I wish I, I would play. You know, what do you mean? That's not a lot of money. I would break my arm and exactly, go. You know, yeah. like come on, like just be realistic. You know, this is some. This is for the rest of their life, and the NFL career is three years. So if mm-hmm. you go through, let's just say you play for three years, you get a million dollars a year before taxes, half a million. So that's a million and a half. You have nothing that that's you it. are good at after you yeah. go out of the NFL. You got to live off of that. You know, yeah. so that's why I'm always advocating for even when players get overpaid and I feel like they, you know, just aren't that good. I'm always like, this. get your money. Yeah. Glad you got it. Yeah. I, you know, like I'm, I'm happy for everybody getting paid because I know that the NFL is the, they're the biggest scammers of all sports. Yep. And then it's like even after these athletes are gone, they still making money off, yes. off the next, next player. Next, the next, next shipment of, of slaves are coming in yep. to get drafted from the from college. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy, like. Like, they, if, if a guy wants out and they finally let him go and they go back to play him, the, the fans boo him. Like, they don't even understand. Like, these guys are just trying to make their money. And they, they're, they're happy when the owners do it to the players, though. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, exactly. You, yeah. You, you're not upset with your owner for cutting somebody because they outplayed their contract, but you're upset for a player that's holding out because they know they're worth more. Like, make it make sense. Exactly. Like, why are you on a billionaire side that's also robbing you? Exactly. It just doesn't add up. And they're going to continue to make their money. And yeah. then what I hate the most, and I'm, we're going to talk about this as well, is like I hate when a player, uh, he, he leaves a team and then or he wants out, and then all of a sudden you start hearing these negative things oh, that come yeah, out about these guys. Up. It's like what, you weren't saying this when this guy was playing for you and making all these yeah. plays, but as soon as they want out, then it's like he's a negative stereotype or like one of the guys, one of the biggest stories recently, like Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. It was just like – and I don't, and I don't want to say – Guilty, not guilty, anything like that or whatever. It's just like it was another situation. It's like I just, it's kind of strange how all of a sudden when he's ready to want out, then all of a sudden yeah. you know the stuff. Strange, right? And I don't want to say I'm mm-hmm. absolving him of what he, what he's mm-hmm. accused of, but it's just like I'm absolving him. You, I sure am, and mm-hmm. I don't care what nobody says because, and I, I had a girlfriend who had a sexual assault case that she ended up settling for money for, and I had a real nigga discussion with her, and I was just like. How did you take money for something that someone assaulted you? Like, how did you say to yourself, taking them to court isn't like, okay, I, I'm just going to civilly take money. Mm-hmm. And she explained it to me. She said, sometimes you know that you won't get justice if you are really 
you have had this crime committed on you in a, in a court of law because you don't have any evidence or proof that it happened to you. So mm -hmm. you, would be you would rather take money as some way to compensate you for your pain and your loss. And although I can understand that, it just could never be me. Right. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. that's why I just always raise my eyebrows sometimes when I see someone taking money for rape or assault and some kind of like, I, I don't know. I've never, that's, you know, I, I that's was, tough. that hasn't happened to me, but I'm probably going to try to kill you. Just right. like, like yeah. <laughs> I don't even want your money. Like if I can't put you in jail, I want you dead. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I, you know, and so it's just, but I'm a different person. You right. know what I'm saying? Like, so I just, I won't, I refuse to believe that Deshaun committed any crimes with no evidence. Right. There's and none. It's, it's crazy. There's it, none. It, it just how the number just kept going. It yeah. went to 20 plus, and then all of a sudden, reason they were saying it could be up to like 66 different women. I'm like, how? Like, it's it's a lot. That's a lot it's, of women. It's very strange. And then my thing is also is like, with, as far as the team, they said the team, you know, they would give him rooms for these massages. But my thing is like, after a few of them, and you keep getting these multiple rooms with different women, like, hold on. Is the team not accountable for like any of the stuff that's going on? They, they're never going to be accountable. No one's going to be accountable for anything. And some of the women even have, they were repeat offenders. Like you did it to them more than once. It's mm -hmm. like, why would you go back to somebody that assaulted you? Right. You know? And, and I don't like to victim blame if there are some victims. Right. But for me... Being a professional athlete, being married to a professional athlete, I know very, very well that a lot of women become massage therapists to make money as a prostitute. Mm. That's just what it is. You know, that's just a real thing. There's a lot of women posing as massage therapists to give happy endings for more money. And I don't knock anybody's hustle. I, I respect that hustle, to be honest with you. But it makes me feel like this may be one of those times where it got flipped on somebody. Right. Because there's nothing wrong or illegal with you having kinks. You know? Mm -hmm. If you like to get a fake massage and, and get a happy ending afterwards, and that's and you're paying for that service, like, who am I to judge? Mm -hmm. You know, if that's what you want to do. But I don't like somebody being accused of something that there's no proof to. Right. I feel like the NFL, just because of, you know, the, the number... I think they, they feel like, I think they're going to end up trying to let put a strong hand down. And, and that's sad. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Yeah. That's really not fair because we have literally seen no evidence. All we're hearing is words. Mm -hmm. and so what, what do you anticipate? How long do you think he'll, he'll – in my mind, I was like, I think it's going to be at least a minimum of at least 10 games, at least. But then when it went up to 60 – probably sit him a year. Yeah, that's what – probably sit him a year. Mm -hmm. And like, that's just because they're going to try to say that they're going to be on the right side of things. Yeah. You know, like you do have a fan base that is predominantly women, believe it or not. Women are the biggest consumers of NFL gear, merch, like all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So you don't want your fan base to think that you're tone deaf to all these high numbers that are, you know, coming up that, you know, you can't, even, like, everybody's like afraid and seeing it like, oh my God, there's more, there's more, there's more. And when you see more, people always like, well, when there's smoke, there's fire. And that's just not always true. It's just not. Right. And I just hate, hate that it happened to be somebody that looked like us once mm -hmm. again, you know, and it's just painting this negative stereotype of us. But it's, it's a tough situation, man. Like I said, us on our side, we don't even really know what's going on. But We don't know the truth. Exactly. We, we don't know. We hear two different sides, and none of us were there. Exactly. None of us were there. And there's no video evidence. Like, there's nothing. 
Exactly. And I want to, while we're still talking about quarterbacks, um, I got to ask you about another fellow quarterback, um, Colin Kaepernick. You know, he, he worked out um, a few weeks ago with the uh, Raiders. But I always wanted to know, especially from your opinion, do you feel like the league at the time when this all happened, do you feel like, I, I don't want to say the players, but like, do you feel like overall the league kind of like left him hanging as far as like not oh, standing absolutely. behind him and having his back? Everybody was scared because like I said, the, the NFL is like technically, it's called the National Football League, but it really stands for not for long. Mm -hmm. And so, like I told you, the average career is three years and nobody wants to put their neck out there for somebody else, even if it'll help their culture and their people. Like people are really just like, no, it's out for self. And even though you believe him and you know what he's doing is right, they just refuse to support him because it's kind of like how, why in the 60s, you know, when they would leave a black man hanging from a tree just so everybody drove by could know that this could be you, mm -hmm. you know? And that's what yeah. they did to Kaepernick. They left him to hang like that as a reminder to any player that felt like he, they were gonna be as brave as him and try to stand up for black people. Exactly. At this point, for me though, I don't even know, you know, if I want him to just come back and just play quarterback again. Like maybe if it's like a higher position in the league or is it something like that? Because it's like- He would never, he yeah. would never. Yeah. He would play because he's passionate. And everybody's right. always like, why does he want to play for a team, for a league that hates him and that this and that? You, you might work for Pepsi. They're racist too. That doesn't mean you don't exactly. deserve your yeah. check. And it exactly. doesn't mean they get to treat you any kind of way. You know, That's there's laws behind that. You can still disagree with your own, your boss and the owner of your team while still commanding a paycheck. Like, that's mm -hmm. a thing. We fought for that right. There's a law from slaves, from not slaves, but from, you know, black people where we, the, the bus, uh, the bus uh, uh, lockout that happened in down south, when was that? So maybe 63? Where, um, you know, our people like did a, uh, well, we weren't riding the bus boycott. at all. Boycott. Yeah. Yes, mm -hmm. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah. Boycott. And because you can still boycott things that you need. Mm -hmm. Like, why do people think that? Because you don't like some the way that someone's handling business that you still shouldn't get your check. Exactly. He's a football player. And he absolutely deserves to play football. Exactly. He's not a front office person. He's not a GM. He's a football player. Yeah, and I feel like he would still be, I mean, even though it's been, a, what, about five, six years now, I still feel six like, years. you know, he could still be better than some of the quarterbacks yeah. in the league today. But disgusting. it's like they won't. It's disgusting watching some of these players that they pop out here knowing that this man has been sitting there begging for an opportunity. And I talked to his girlfriend uh, a few weeks ago, and I asked her, like, was it a legit trial? Like, are they really going to consider this before it happened? It was like maybe a day before it happened. And I was like, is this a legit trial? Like, are they really going to look at him? And she was like, we're hoping so. You know, yeah. but I haven't talked to her since then to figure out, like, you know, what all happened. I can think of, like, Seattle right now. Seattle, they got rid of Russell. They could definitely use a quarterback. They just run right off the top of my mind. But yeah. it's like, man, I don't know if they really want to give him their chance because of what he stood up for. And, and then, of course, you know, if they sign him, then they're going to be like, is he gonna kneel again? Like, what's gonna yeah, happen? it's gonna be so much yeah. around it. Which, which I said, I never had a problem with him taking a knee. I remember at the time, nobody was, should have a problem with him exercising his rights as an American. Exactly. I was working at uh, the radio station at uh, ESPN Upstate, and 
at the time when he first took a knee, like the radio personalities and the people who were calling in, first thing they were saying is like, why does he care? He like he should be happy. He's making millions of dollars. He should just you be quiet. Care that people yeah, look exactly. like you were getting shot in the back by police because you make millions of dollars. Exactly, and, and that's what I and that's what when they asked me about it because I was just a producer for the show. When they asked me about it, I was like, I appreciate the fact that yeah, he's making more money than the average person. But I appreciate the fact that he's stepping up for people who don't, who does, who doesn't have that kind of platform to, and that voice to speak, and he's speaking up for those people. But you know, people that don't look like us, they felt a certain type of way about it, and they was like, no, he should just be happy making his money. He's disrespecting the flag. That's what they do to our black men in sports. They they give you money, and that's supposed to put a piece of tape over your mouth in regards to things happening to your culture. Mm-hmm. You know, and the crazy thing is, ever since he kneeled, I haven't stood for the national anthem since. And I go to NFL games, NBA games, Little League, mm-hmm. whatever it is, I'm not standing. I don't care who's there. I don't care where it's Do you happening. catch side eyes sometimes oh, when you do it? I sit courtside at games and I won't stand up. Mm-hmm. And no, I'm not going to. I don't do it at my son's uh, school events and functions. None mm-hmm. of it. I'm not doing it. And that's uh, owed to him. You know, I just told myself, like, I'm not, I don't have to. And every time you see me not standing, I want you to be reminded of Colin Kaepernick. Exactly. And it's, it's, what's crazy is, like, he told you what he kneeled for, and it's like you still. They still thought it was something that was just, people are like, that's the media. Yep. You know, they're, they control the narrative. Exactly. And what I, one of the things I hate the most about the media um, is, I know people are going to speak their mind and, and, and speak against stuff like that, but it's like sometimes I feel like they try to use our people to speak against us. And that's when I'm like, come on, man. Like, even if you disagree with it, don't badmouth them or don't badmouth any of our people because, you know, we got a, a tough hill to climb already. So then when yes. you use our people to do it, then it's like, okay, you see, he's somebody in black that's speaking against it. So we know we're not. Yeah. And we're not wrong about it. But that's, that's, the, that's one of my pet peeves, like when it's our people speaking out against us in a negative way. Yeah, even even small things like, let's say a player gets, I remember a player get caught with some weed, and Michael Irvin, of all people, had the audacity to go on air and be like, you're really gonna risk your career for this? Like, Mike, you was doing lines of yeah. off the back of a <laughs> yeah. toilet, like in a club, like knock it off. Like they act like they never went through anything. Right. You know, we need more journalists that when you see a player with a flaw or something that they do and you say, you know what? Yeah, I did that too. You know, mm-hmm. I, I I was stupid. I did dumb things, and I just hope that that player gets the right guidance and gets around the right people right. that are encouraging them not to do stupid things. You just don't hear that from the players, the ex-players that are in the, the media. Right. Everybody's scared to defend the player because they don't want to lose their job. Exactly. That's the sad thing about it. Or you it. not even defend them, but just have, support them and have their back and say, yeah, I've been there. Mm-hmm. I, you, you know, it's a mistake. Don't make any more. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you, because like you're saying, you know, as a, a wife of a, a pro professional ball player, did you catch flack a lot of times, or did he even catch flack of uh, Brent Grimes? Because, you know, at the time when he was playing, you know, you still spoke your mind. Did that kind of make it hard, like, from a, from a, a wife's perspective and on the player? Um, I didn't. I think that it was a little tougher for him because he's not like me. He's a very quiet person. He's buried to himself. Right. He don't. He don't even do interviews. You know. So I brought on a lot of attention to him that he just didn't want. But he knew who I was. He knew when he met me, he would listen to me in the car on the radio. 
Mm-hmm. You know, so he, I've always been like this. So he knew what he was getting into and he just thought, I guess he thought that maybe it wouldn't come to him because he just doesn't talk. But of course, everybody wants to hear from the, from the silent person, you know, they want to know like how you feel about what she's saying. He always would be like, she has an opinion. That's her opinion. Right. You know, and our opinions didn't always line up. You know, we didn't always agree on things, but I have a, an opinion. I have a voice and I, I'm able to exactly. say what I want to say. And I, we never allowed the media to put us against each other or try to do do anything to make us like not like each other because of something I said or something he didn't say. You know, we right. just, we just he allowed me to move in my space and I allowed him to move and, in my and space. And the reason I like it is because you come from a, a unique perspective because... Like you, your your husband plays, so you know a lot of stuff about what the yeah. players are going through and, and like yes. the business side of it. So, mm-hmm. to me, that's what that's what I like to hear because you you know more than like I said, you know more than the average person. So like when you when you speak about it, people are gonna listen to it. Yeah. And a lot of times, of course, like the media or the the lead, they might not like it because mm-hmm. you're speaking. Yeah. The Dolphins at one point had asked Brent to ask me to quit my job because. Um, I think that beginning of the year I said we were going to go 8-8 eight and eight, and I kind of gave my opinion on mm. why we were going to go 8-8 eight and, eight. and <laughs> that year they said they were going to the Super Bowl oh. you know and everybody's like we're going to the Super Bowl first you know before game one I'm like 8-8 eight and, eight, and my co-host is like why and I'm like well you know we're going to need to score on special teams or defense to get an extra you know touchdown because Ryan Tannehill is not it he's not going to score enough points for us to even think about getting to the playoffs let alone Mm-hmm. Went in the Super Bowl, you know, and so he came home and he was just like, "You don't think we're going to the Super Bowl?" And I was like, "No, but uh, oh man, <laughs> you still gonna root I'm, for him?" I'm there. I'm at every I'm game. Crying. I got your bag. I'm cheering. I'm hoping. But you know, this is my job. I'm not gonna just lie on the air when I don't see it. And sure enough, that year we went eight and eight. But the team asked him to ask me to quit my job. And they were like, you're so, you're so rich. Why does your wife even want that job? It doesn't even pay that much money. Like, and he was just like she wants to do it like this mm-hmm. is her this is what she does like you want me to call her and you tell her you me call her and speak her and you yeah. ask her to quit her job they're like no 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 i said exactly you don't try to go through my husband and get him to get me to quit my job pussies like right man up just curious do you does the league really have that much power to where you know something like that where they can you know they ask i mean you guys are well off are well off but a lot of people may not be, like you said, a lot of players may not be. Do you think the league has that much power to where they can force people to, you know, step down from their jobs yes. or any kind of stuff? Is the league yes. really that powerful? Yes. Yes, it is. And the problem that they have is they there's not very many people like me. They don't scare me. They can't intimidate me at all. Mm-hmm. You know, my husband, he there was moments where he was, you know, a little afraid, like, you know, some of the things that they could do. And I had to, like, reassure him even about his career. And he was just like, well, they're threatening me, saying that if you say this and you say that, no team's going to sign me. And I'm like, just trust yourself. Trust your skill. Don't listen to them. They will say anything. Mm-hmm. And when we were, signed, we were in negotiations to sign with Tampa, the Stephen, I mean, Adam Schefter and all these Stephen A. Smith, all these people on the radio saying, oh, because his wife said this, this, and this. I've talked to 30 teams of the 32 teams in the NFL, and all 30 of them said that none of them will ever sign Brent Grimes. Meanwhile, I'm two hours away from signing him to a brand new $16 million contract, mm. fully guaranteed. You know, so you they'll say something and hope that it happens. And then when it doesn't, they just go quietly away like like they never right. said it. They never have to own up to lying 
You know, you didn't talk to 30 teams because we were negotiating with six teams, mm-hmm. at least six, you know, that, that, that were up enough, you know, as far as money that could pay him what he wanted. But they'll just say anything. They'll try to scare you into thinking like that they, they own you, but you have to believe in yourself and trust your process and know that you have the talent and you're going to get what you deserve. Do, do these people ever reach out to you and try to speak to you? Um, like you said, a chef or a Stephen A. Smith, do any of these um, people in these powerful media, on these powerful media platforms, do they ever try to, like, do they at that time try to reach out and have a conversation about any of this stuff? Or no, they just, no, they don't. They're scared of me. I've run into them, trust me, mm-hmm. on purpose. I've ran up on them a few times just to see how they would act if they saw me and they're pussy. These are mm. grown men. They don't they're pussy. They don't want to say <laughs> nothing to me. They're afraid because I don't I don't have I'm not scared. That's really what it is. I'm not scared and right. my opinion doesn't change and I will call you a pussy in your face if I if I really feel like it. Mm-hmm. You know, because they've attacked my family. You know, they've attacked us and lied on us. So I feel like whenever I see you, I can say whatever I want to say to you. Because right. you tried to play with me and my family. Does it make it easier now? Because um, he's not playing. Mm-hmm. So is it easier now for you to kind of, you know. Well, I'm not in the sports industry sports anymore. Room. I'm not, okay. you know, I, I left that industry because I'm just not wanted. There's no room for somebody like me. Mm-hmm. I would need my own platform. And Man, I feel like you still. I mean, we could still use your voice. Um, in what, though? In my podcast? Yeah, podcast. Possibly, yeah. but I just decided that I wanted to do other things. You mm-hmm. know, like a podcast is not my ceiling. Mm-hmm. You know, right, I should right. be speaking to larger crowds and live, you know, Absolutely, in person. Yeah. And those things are, you know, not, they're just not there. Those opportunities are not there. Those doors are open. I just wasn't able to build a big enough platform by myself because I have so much negative. You know, people only. Remember the negative. Nobody ever remembers the positive. Right. You know, so it's just I just decided that I had already I'd done enough. Mm-hmm. I've, I've thrown enough mud in people's faces. But but if something <laughs> comes up and you and you want to speak and out, it would, and you, to, it would have to be perfect. It would have to be a a, a a platform that is not afraid of me in my regular life. That's the thing. You mm-hmm. know, when I'm not on the air, I'm still Miko. Mm-hmm. I still speak about things. I still have right. a problem. You know, air quotes. Yeah. And I think it's also important, like, for these companies, um, they say they wanted to give you an opportunity, like, they, they know who you are, so when you speak your mind, they don't, you know, shy away from you, because a lot of times, you know, a lot of times if somebody says something controversial, these sponsors or these companies might try to, you know, turn their back away from these guys. I'm like, well, you knew they did this kind of stuff before you even gave right. them opportunity, so I hopefully... Um, that opportunity, when the opportunity comes for you, they won't kind of like shy away from them. They know who you are, so they know you're going to speak your mind. Yeah, I mean, maybe, I guess, possibly, but I don't see it. Nobody's brave enough to have somebody that will speak their mind about not only things in sports, but just in real life, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, just imagine me on the air when the pandemic happened and me telling people not to take the vaccine. Oh, yeah, you can. Yeah, they... <laughs> you see what I mean? Like, I'm out of there. Oh, I'm yeah. I'm out of there. So I just feel like that's just not my lane. You know, I need to move in a space where I can be more creative and more free to, you know, my, my goal now is to just tell stories, mm-hmm. you know? Just a couple more questions about sports and we're going to switch gears before we wrap it up. Um, So do you still follow sports closely today? Like, do you... Not like a journalist. Not no. like a journalist. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm a fan now. So you I just love it. Like right. I, I watch when I want to watch. I don't care. Like you know, like I don't have to know everything as a fan. When I was a journalist, I I went over everything with a fine tooth comb. 
watched everything twice, you know, made sure I checked out stats and how they lined up with the last time this team played them. You know, mm-hmm. There's a lot of work that came into, you know, me putting on a great show. But now, I just watch when I want to. Right. And it's so freeing. It's so fun. Yeah, absolutely. And now I get to go to football games and not care who wins. Like, right. You know, because when my husband's playing, I'm cheering for his team. Now now I get to be a Rams fan, which is what I really am. Right. Which is a Rams fan, you know. So then, but... You know, I don't care. You know, I'm just having fun. I'm just being a regular person. Now. Right. That's what I was going to ask you. Who Who were like your favorite teams like growing up? Like, who were the teams that you love? Lakers and the Rams. Lakers and the Rams. Yes. Well, we got one good team. That's. Don't do that. Look, I'm a Lakers fan too. Let me tell you, I'm a Lakers fan. <laughs> but it's like we we didn't fell on some hard times. That happens. It's, there's ebbs and flows of every right. team, every organization. We're down right now, but we we're gonna be. What up. What do you think, um, as a Lakers fan? Because I'm a Lakers fan, but I always pull. I'm from South Carolina, so I'm always pull for all the Carolina to like the Hornets, Panthers. Like I'm always pull for them. But as a Lakers fan, what do you think we should do to like kind of turn it around? Because this is rough right now. Well, we started off good by getting rid of the coach. I know people are like, oh, it wasn't his fault, but he was in the way. Like I just feel like whatever you know was happening with how we were doing the lineup, how inconsistent it was, how certain players weren't getting minutes and. That's, that falls on him, you know. Mm-hmm. I also feel like Anthony Davis continuing to come back not stronger, you know. Like, I, I just feel like hurt, he's man. constantly getting hurt because All he's not training. He's not – his body isn't in shape. Somebody needs to address that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I just I just think we need to try to stay young and athletic. That's important to me. And we need shooters. Right now, this league is all about shooters. So, you, got, you don't have any snipers on deck. Like, are you really serious about getting a championship? Yeah. I think, in my opinion, should we even – would you consider moving AD? Absolutely. He can go. My opinion, <laughs> what I would think – I said you – know, I told him – I mean, I was having a conversation with my brother. I was like, man, you know what? What I would do, maybe, if you can move AD – I know Phoenix got DeAndre Ayton out there. Maybe you can get him and and, and let them package somebody but else DeAndre with him. DeAndre Ayton is he's but you know he he's, he's not a game changer. So. He's like seventeen and ten. He's healthy, so yeah. I think AD's gonna lose some value because he stay hurt so much. So if you yeah. get if you can get another if you can get Ayton a big yeah, and get them to package another guy with yeah, him, you, that'll help. You need a center. Yeah, he's yeah. young. Yeah. You, you got to get a big body, and, and if they, mm-hmm. you know, if they want AD, because to them, AD might be the missing piece for Phoenix to, you know, try to get over the hump. So if you get, if Chris you, Paul, Chris Paul, on a, you know, <laughs> I think with Chris Paul, Booker, and AD, that's a, because I think AD can give you more to Aiden for them at this point in his career. I, I don't have any um, faith in it. In, in, at all? No. No. Just, I mean, he's a, it's too much injury for too me. Many I'm injury, sorry. Yeah. I can't even bank on you at this point. You'd have yeah. to give me a whole year of healthy basketball. Not like perfect health, but basketball to where it's, every time you jump, you don't roll your ankle. Yeah. And I mean, then I know they was playing it in the, in the media uh, about that little clip about how you said he hadn't shot ball since like April. I'm like, man, that. That ain't that don't even sound good right there when you, it's like the level of commitment, which I think he's committed to basketball, but my main thing he gotta stay healthy. Yeah, there's a lot of guys that just, you know, that they have good game but they don't come back better every year. You know, if right. you never were able to shoot free throws your entire career, that's bad. If you never develop a, a jump shot or a three point shot, that's bad. If you've never been healthy all year, you know, some of these players are getting little baller bellies. Yeah. Getting a little gut and everything, but they can hoop, but it's like you can't go 82 games plus 20-something games yeah. 
into the playoffs like out of shape. Like I don't care what you say unless you're really young. But at some point, it's going to take its toll, and, and you just these guys just need to get more serious about mm-hmm. basketball. You know, like coming back every year. This is why I respect about Giannis. I feel like every got year he got better. Every year he added something to his game or enhanced mm-hmm. something about his game, and that's really the kind of players if I were the Lakers. Yeah. It's crazy. I remember my I was my senior year, twenty fourteen. I think that was maybe on his second year in the league, and at the time I didn't even know who he was. It was the first game. That was the season over in the Hornets in Milwaukee. I didn't even know who Giannis was at that point in time. So I'm like, man, whatever. And it's just like to see where he went from there to where he is now, he's got so much better over time. And, that's and, he, like, and he started playing in high school. And, he, so it's, and he's getting, getting better and better. But you that's know, just I, him being determined to be great and determined to be a champion. Exactly. And he got everything that he worked for. Yeah, so I don't know if we're going to get a player like Giannis, but if we can you know, figure out some kind of way to turn it around. I want to ask you real quick, you know, so um, about, you know, we, we saw the NBA Finals end of what, about a week and a half ago. So I, I got to ask you your opinion, like, with that, what do you have? Because I've seen people saying oh, LeBron might be better than Steph, which I – I mean, Steph might be better than LeBron, which I ain't going to go that far. But, like, what do you think they did for, you know, for him overall? like Steph? Yeah, all time, yeah. Um, It just proved that he needs to be in a lot of discussions. Um, There are some flaws in Steph's game, and people don't like to talk about them. Mm-hmm. But um, that's why he's on the team that he's on. You know, right. they, they're really good at taking your flaws and hiding them and, and elevating the good things about you. Right. So I think that just seeing Steph, even when they didn't um, win the championship, those two years that Clay was out, he got them to the playoffs. Like, he got them yeah. he, like by himself. Like, he really did a lot of work, you know. And Steph is another person, even though people don't believe it. He comes back every year better. Better. You know, like I look at his conditioning, his cardio. I look at his body. Because he run like crazy. I look at his body and how it's changed. And and this was a scrawny little beige kid, Mm -hmm. you know, from Davidson. And now he's, anyway, so I'm saying that, you know, Steph is this scrawny little kid from Davidson. Mm -hmm. And his body, like he's he's like a man. Like he's put in the work in the gym so that he can last and, and handle the load of sometimes putting the entire team on his back. Right. And so I just think that, you know, he should be in some discussions, some oh, conversations, yeah. you know? For me, um, this is going to sound crazy. I'm probably I'm showing my age a little bit. I, I said to me, Steph, probably the maybe the for me the I said the third best player I ever seen play basketball. And what I mean by that is so I I was born in 92, so I didn't really get a chance to see Mike. Mm-hmm. So like I don't I, I was I, he was pretty much halfway done with his career or more than halfway done. So I didn't get a chance to, to see Mike play. So for me, I said Kobe is still the greatest I've seen play. Um, then I said LeBron, and then you can go Steph or Tim Duncan for me, which I, I lean more towards Steph, but Tim was – he just – Tim Duncan was a, a, a grown man out there too. So. But Steph, what people don't realize is Steph doing all this actually is a plus for LeBron being in the GOAT discussion. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because it's like when you're now talking about Steph being in there, how do you not have LeBron in that discussion? Right. Do you see what I mean? Like, right, right. Oh, yeah. He's, oh, LeBron yeah. is definitely in the conversation. Oh. So you have LeBron? What do you have, LeBron? LeBron's my favorite. He's the best player I've ever seen play basketball. Over I Jordan. Saw Jordan play. Yes. <laughs> he's better. I mean, I, I can't knock Better basketball it. player. Yeah. Head and shoulders, everything included. A better mm-hmm. basketball player than Michael Jordan. To me, I, I still say... I don't have him over Kobe just yet. I mean, Kobe to me was like, I, 
and I don't even see a lot of people talking about Kobe like that, like in the all time. He's like LeBron and, and Jordan. I'm like, man, Kobe get lost. He's not in that discussion. And he's that's why. he's cold Sorry. though. Yeah, he's, cold. I he's think like, maybe well, because Kobe is is in his own yeah. league. You know, he is, but he's just not the best. I think maybe because of that the incident he had. That's why the league might have had you know kind of. No. I don't know. Kobe it's, was it's game. It's Kobe about was, game. Man, I don't know. <laughs> I think we might have to disagree on that one. I don't even, I don't, I don't disrespect. I used to have discussions and, and kind of get people together about Kobe, you know, when he was alive. But now that he's not here, yeah, I don't have my, those discussions. Right, that's Bring my up guy. the negative parts of his game yeah, yeah, yeah. ways that he, you know, didn't look so well. So I try to hold Kobe to a higher standard now that he's passed. And absolutely. I never speak about him or his game in a negative light. Absolutely, absolutely. It's completely understandable. Um, I want to switch, switch gears again. Um, talk a little bit about, about your, some of your other vi- business ventures. Um, mm-hmm. I saw that you produced a movie, um, Whole Happiness Over Everything. Can you talk yes. a little bit about it as well? Um, so when I was transitioning out of being a sports journalist, <clears throat> it happened right when the pandemic took place and everybody had time. We were all isolated and home. And <clears throat> my friends in the TV and film industry kind of encouraged me to, <clears throat> excuse me, to start my writing career. I've always wanted to be a writer and since I'm not writing in sports, they're like, try some TV, you know? And I'm like, you know what? I can tell my professional, you know, career stories through movies and film and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. So I just had an idea uh, about, a, about a script and my girlfriend told me, just write it. We're not doing anything else. Teach yourself. I taught myself. I went online, Google, YouTube to teach myself how to write a script and and I did it, and with, with, of course, the help of my director as well, like guiding me. And um, when I finished it, she was like, let's shoot it. And I was like, how can we shoot it? Like, it's a pandemic, everything's shut down. Like, we don't even have studios, like, there's no, uh-huh. she was like, well, you have a house in LA and it's a perfect house to shoot this in. Like, you know, these scenes, we can get it done. And I was like, really? And I don't know TV like that, you know, I don't know film, but she does, so I trusted her. And so we literally shot it at my house in LA in oh. two days. The entire movie? Yeah, it's a 15-minute short film. Oh, okay, okay. Minutes, but we shot it oh. in two days. And, of course, you know, I never acted before either. I never written, I never produced, but so I, we needed a lead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I did it. I, I did the lead. I called up friends of mine that are in the industry and asked them to do me a favor and help me, you know, shoot this. And everybody agreed. Nobody was working. Everybody was home. So right. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. And we did it. And it was great, and and I've been in, I've been invited to maybe fifteen film festivals in the last mm-hmm. year, and I've won six awards. Oh wow! Congratulations! So thank you. So it's doing really well. I want to ask you, because um, the Crossline Podcast, you know, we have a lot of entrepreneurs on and share that journey, and you know, um, talk about how they found themselves and their purpose. Um, well, everything that you've accomplished and and everything that you've done, um, do you feel like you found your purpose, like your true purpose? I do, and I think my purpose is mentoring and not just in a sense of just sitting across the table from somebody and talking to them. You know, I've learned that I can mentor through TV and film, Mm -hmm. you know, telling stories that um, people need to hear or see. And so I think that my my purpose is to mentor and educate and uplift my people. And so I try to do that in every way possible, whether I'm doing TV and film, whether, you know, spending my money on black-owned businesses and um, giving back to my community and raising a very, you know, proud black black boy, 
you know. So those are just ways that I plan to mentor to my people and and move us further ahead, you know, in our journey here on this earth. A few more questions and we're gonna wrap it up. What what advice would you tell the young Amiko? Oh, I would first tell her, don't have sex until you're 30. Mm-hmm. It's a waste of your time. <laughs> you're not going to get anything out of oh, it. Oh, man. Um, it's a distraction from what you really want to do. Mm-hmm. That's first because that also comes with emotional drama and stuff that yeah. t- takes you off your path. And I would say slow down on that part. Um, I would tell myself to trust myself more and some of the things and ideas that I, that I have, like trust yourself and go for it and, and, and never let anybody tell you you can't do something. Absolutely. And I, I like to ask people, you know, what advice would you like to give to other people who are, you know, thinking about stepping out on faith and, and pu- pursuing their dreams and may be afraid to do it? I understand it's not a perfect time to do anything in life, but what advice would you give people who want to um, pursue their dreams? Um, <clears throat> stress kills. People don't realize that. The stress yeah. causes death. And um, a big part of why everybody is unhappy and stressed out is because a lot of people are having to work jobs that they hate. And mm-hmm. um, a lot of people are confused, thinking that if they go to college and get this degree, that they're going to somehow get this job in this industry. And I would tell people that there's you, people can be employees, but most more people should be bosses. Mm-hmm. And you really got to just step out on faith you got to really get your stuff together be confident in yourself and get out there and do it yourself and you will live a happier life you won't even think about like how your life could have been if you were doing something that you really love and purposeful and, and it'll just bring greater things to your life absolutely and then my last and final question this is the cross the line podcast self-investment tour so i like to ask everyone that comes on what does self-investment mean to you um, self-investment to me means taking care of my body. You know, I changed my diet when I had a son um, 11 years ago. I transitioned to a plant-based diet. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, take care of myself in the gym as far as working out and keeping myself healthy. I don't take medications prescribed by um, men in white coats that just did a great job at taking tests. Yeah. They know nothing about the human body. Mm-hmm. And so, and I also try to feed my mind, even though I do like reality TV, but I try to feed my mind with things that are going to help me that will also help my people. So I try to, you know, control the things that are going into my mind as well. Absolutely. Miko, I want to thank you for taking the time to sit with me. This has been a great conversation. Like I said, I, you're one of my favorites because you always spoke your mind. And I really appreciate you, appreciate you taking the time. I got something for you. I'm going to get up real quickly. I got. <laughs> I brought you a, a gift real quick. Okay. Let me get up one second. So, we talk a lot about creating your own opportunities. Here's a, another gift that I have for you. I released my first book last year. The title of it is Elf School, Life is Your Best Teacher. Yeah, so, I um, that title. Yeah, because like, wow. like, like I was telling you, like for me, you know, I was kind of like in that path of, you know, you, it's like you, you're kind of like programmed to get up, go to work. I mean, yeah. you go to school, go to, mm-hmm. as you graduate, you get a job and you just stay there. Yeah. And I fell into that cycle of get up and go to work. And one of the best things that happened to me was, you know, um, I, I worked two jobs and I was just like, one night it hit me, I was like, man, I got to get up and do the same thing and work 13, 14 hours for somebody a week else. for somebody else. 
And uh, I was like, you know what, man, I can't do this. And eventually I kept telling myself, I'm gonna quit this job. And I actually remember recording it on my old phone. And it finally came to a point where I said, you know what, I'm done. So I quit my second job, I went home, and I just started writing. And um, it was like a two and a half year process. And then I finally uh, released it last year. And uh, so for people watching it, it's just something where I, I just say, you know what, you know, the, the, I know the title and the cover art is going to be controversial, but that's why I wanted to do it that yeah. way because it's like life is your best teacher. And yeah. it was just so much that I was missing. But I really hope you enjoy that book. Thank um, you. I appreciate that. Yeah. So, um, Take a look at it. Yeah. It's, it's, a lot, it's a lot of stuff that I never even thought I would open up about that I put into okay. it. So when you read it, you're going to be like, woof. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's like crazy. But um, before we get out of here, um, like I said, can you tell everybody how to find you? On social media? Well, Instagram just gave me my page back. Actually, my friend Fortune Bowman gave me my page back because Instagram took it. Um, so if your page is taken and you need it back, look up Fortune, F-O-R-T-U-N-E dot Bowman, B-O-O-M-I-N, and he will help you get your page back. And so my page is iHeartMiko on Instagram. And also, if you want to check out my podcast on YouTube, it's I Heart Miko Podcast. On the Apple Podcast and Spotify, it's I Heart Miko Podcast. Yeah, I was going to ask you about it. I mean, to ask you that early when we first started. Like, what actually happened? Did they just delete it or what? Or was it just because of some of the stuff you were yeah, saying? Um, it, I don't know. They just don't like me. They constantly told me that I can't say certain things. And they tell me that I'm endangering the public. <laughs> you know... So I just, I just don't, I don't get social media. If I, if I like, let's say you're my brother and you say something to me, like you post something and I say, you like, you're my brother and you post something and you say something to me funny and I say, oh my God, uh, Carlos, I'm gonna kick your ass. They will flag my page for threatening right. violence upon you when really it's a joke. And so the apps are culturally aware and it's just really bad for us. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't get us. They don't get us in the algorithms like we'll take our page for some things that aren't even harmful just because of the words. Absolutely. Well, I'm glad you have your page back. Like I said, people watching this, make sure you guys tune into her page, one of the most outspoken people that you will find. That's why I said she's one of my favorite. And I'm so happy I had drawn all the way. It's crazy because I had to show you on my paper, one of the people, like I, when I first started, I wrote down a list of people that I wanted to have on. Um, I had you, I had Char Charlemagne, on my on the paper I wrote down, uh, Eric Thomas and some people from around my area, and uh, but you were one of the people I had on, so so I'm so happy to have you on. I really appreciate the opportunity to um, sit with you and you know have a conversation. And you definitely didn't let me down. Like like I said, you spoke your mind. <laughs> yeah. So I gotta let people know when you watch this, you definitely gonna you gonna tune into a great conversation. So thank you again. I really appreciate it. Thank you for me. So hopefully everybody that watched this episode, I hope you guys enjoyed it. So until next time, keep chasing dreams. This is the Cross the Line Podcast, Self-Investment Tour. Thank you for listening.